From Capital Analytics, I'm Abby Malone, and this is Invest Insights. Every week, we bring you perspectives, business advice, and more from the leading executives, entrepreneurs, and investors who are building, diversifying, and leading the way in the country's fastest growing metro markets. Real leaders, real insights, right now. I'm joined today by Dr. John Pryor, the president of East Market for Essential Health. John, thank you for being here today. It's my pleasure. Spoke with you for our annual business review, Invest Minneapolis St. Paul. You mentioned how you've always been interested in data-driven decisions, both quantitative and qualitative. How does the approach allow you to pursue creative solutions to complex problems? And what have been the key lessons you've taken with you throughout your career? Well, so often people say, I want to be data-driven, and there's certainly a role for data. I, I'm very comfortable with data. I'm, I have a math background. So I think that the quantitative aspects often tells you where to put your attention, where to focus. But um, you need the qualitative aspects to tell you the story behind the numbers. So an example for that is that we were looking to decrease costs in orthopedics. And we broke down the costs into various categories and looked at it quantitatively, looked at it by the numbers. That told us some areas other than the implant costs. It told us some areas to focus like bone cement. And then it was through discussions with the orthopedic surgeons that got us to understand why sometimes the bone cement was expensive and not and what was driving their decisions. So there's a real lesson here about trying to understand the story and the qualitative aspects of problem solving. Those exciting projects in Minnesota is the Vision Northland campus that's anticipated to open in 2023. Considering the number of shifts we've seen in healthcare, how does the new campus encapsulate the creative solutions and developments that have become healthcare's mainstays moving forward? Well, it began in the planning stages and talking to our employees and finding out what things worked well in our current older hospital and what things didn't. And certainly the layout of the hospital um, in its current state was a problem with a lot of waste in terms of movement, in terms of transportation and people having to walk long distances. And that's not where they should be spending their time. They should be spending it with the patients. Mm -hmm. So we took those learnings from our employees. And when we designed this, we really made it quite vertical. And um, we also made it in a horseshoe fashion. Mm -hmm. And what that allowed us to do is number one, it allowed rapid transport between floors. So between maybe the, the surgical floor and the OR, um, between where helicopters land and the emergency department. And so it was just a shorter distance for people to, um, to, to move. And then the beauty of the horseshoe um, pattern of the building is we put the patients on the outside. So they got a good view and there's a wonderful view in Duluth of the lake. And so they get light and things like that and beautiful view, which is I think part of the healing process. And then allowed in the middle of the horseshoe in the central core for our staff and supplies to be. And so it minimized the distance between where they were working and where the patients were. Another aspect was communication. And we designed this building um, for great communication, for technology between the patients and the staff and from staff to staff. Um, we also recognized, especially later on in the process, that there's labor shortages. Obviously, we, we knew that was coming and in fact is here. And so we really um, built in robotics 
um, in the building. So they would do many of the things that the staff would um, in the past. And then in our current situation, most of our rooms are double rooms. That doesn't allow space for family. And so we made these single rooms and had a specific area within the room set off for the family. And we think family, that's not just for patient experience, but we think family can be part of the healing environment. They can be part of getting the patient, you know, outside of the hospital and thinking about, you know, that environment, that home environment or wherever they're going afterwards, what's needed and be part of the, the whole healing um, environment. And obviously having private rooms is just, you can bring the care to the patient rather than bringing the patient to wherever the care is because you don't have another patient, a, a stranger in effect to worry about. You can just, you have a single room and you can bring whatever you need to that patient. And it also minimizes transmission of obviously viruses and bacteria by not having another patient in the room. So those are some of the factors that we brought into the design. And it began really with talking to um, our employees and actually listening to our patients as well, what their complaints were. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting to me that this design, uh, it seems to expedite both um, in terms of location and how service is delivered, but also the communication. And in an emergency, uh, that is paramount. Right. I mean, when you have somebody coming in with a stroke or they've got a STEMI, you know, a blockage of the coronary arteries, um, time is heart, time is brain. And so you want to minimize that transportation time. About healthcare, there's been a lot of long-standing conversation about the shift from volume to value as a model. How does the reimagining of healthcare along these lines lead to better health for those whole populations? And what will be some of the new and innovative ways care is going to be delivered as that shift continues? Well, first of all, I have to point out, and I think we all know that healthcare is very expensive. Um, it's not where we need it to be. We're the most expensive. Um, when you look at the modern countries of the world, we have the most expense for healthcare. It's about 18% of our GDP. It's over $10,000 per person. And yet, when you look at our results, like longevity and things like that, we're below average when you compare it to other modern countries of the world. So we need to do things differently. And that speaks to innovation. That innovation is about transformation. It's about doing things completely different. And so I think that that's really um, important. Second thing I like to point out when it comes to value is that most of health, interestingly, is not in the clinics, it's not in the hospital, it really occurs outside. And it really begins with things oftentimes we don't think about with healthcare, which is like having a home, a roof over your head, um, food, social connections, that's important for, for mental health. Um, even spiritual health is part of your overall health. It affects your body. And so I think it's incumbent upon healthcare to partner with our community. You know, we can't be responsible for homes and food, but we can recognize the importance of it and, and, and have partnerships with the community to address these issues. I think the other thing things to look forward to in terms of transformation and value is really convenience. You know, we're in an age where the Amazon um, age, where we want things brought to us rather than we go to get it. And I think it needs to be that way with healthcare as well. So bringing healthcare to the business, bringing it to the patient's homes. And if, if it's not convenient to people, often they don't get it. As a personal story, um, I needed a new dentist um, and I was having trouble finding somebody 
that was convenient for me. I'm busy Monday through Friday. And so for quite a while, I didn't go see one. And finally, I found a dentist whose offices was open on Saturday. That's an example of the importance of access to get the care that you need. And so I think some of the innovative, one innovative way that I think things are going to change um, as we look at um, going from volume to value and where it needs to change is, um, and again, especially today with the labor shortage, and this isn't going away for the next 15 to 20 years. I think um, one innovative thing that we need to be thinking about is a combination of um, AI, artificial intelligence, and automation. And what artificial intelligence can do is it can mine the electronic health record of a patient and determine what is needed and then automatically contact the patient for that. So it takes the humans, the schedulers, everything out of it. And so an example of that is mining the record and seeing, oh my goodness, this patient needs a colonoscopy. And then it's then through automation, it triggers a phone call or a text or an email message to the patient, whichever they select is the best method for communication, that you need a colonoscopy, click here to schedule it. And then actually getting the patient involved scheduling it, taking out the scheduler. So patient involvement in terms of registration, scheduling, things like that. So I think that that's going to be part of the future that that's going to help us attain value as opposed to just cranking patients through the system. As we round out our discussion today on creativity, what role does creativity play in remaining competitive in today's landscape? Well, I think that competitive may be the wrong word. I think that, um, you know, I, I think it starts with, again, that healthcare costs are so high right now. And I don't think it's about us being competitive with somebody else. I think really the game should be and the, our focus and mission should be, how do we both decrease healthcare costs? How do we improve our outcomes? And, um, and really not competitive as much as remaining viable because it's it's just not sustainable the way it is now. And I don't really care about my competitors. I care about us really doing, d- keeping people healthy. That's what I really care about. And the role of innovation in this and creativity is it's not working the way we're doing it now. So we need to do it in a different way. And we need to think differently and not just follow the leader here, but take chances. And we at Essential Health, we recognize this and we want to do things different. And I think what helps us in this realm is number one, um, we believe that you have to do things differently and that we need to change the model. I think number two, we understand the importance of experiments. We call them PDSAs, Plan to Study Act, and you know, try it out. And I think also having a culture where failure is, is you learn from it. Take a chance, do it. You know, if you don't kill anyone and if it doesn't cost us $50 million, we're likely to learn something from it. And so, you know, failure may even be the, the wrong word. The experiment didn't work. And so what you do is you step back. That's part of the PDSA, PDSA cycle. It's the study part. Why didn't it work? What should we do next? What's the next experiment? And so having that kind of environment, I think is important to really take us from how we're, how we're, how we're practicing medicine today where we need to be in the future. You've been listening to Invest Insights. Be sure to follow, rate, and review this podcast to hear more. I'm Abby Malone. Thank you for tuning in.